So Money Episode 355, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront, the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Visit Wealthfront.com forward slash So Money. Hey, welcome back to So Money, everyone. It's Friday. How excited are you for the weekend? I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. My birthday's almost around the corner. So, you know, it's the 12th today. My birthday's on the 15th. No need to send me flowers or gifts. Just, you know, you know, um, wish me a happy birthday on the 15th. Um, join me on Snapchat. I just joined, Brittany, have you tried Snapchat? By the way, Brittany Castro's here, everybody. Hi. Yes, I am here. I have not done Snapchat officially for business. I played around with it at one well, point in my life. You heard it here first, Brittany. Snapchat's the new Twitter. Is it? I think so. I think so. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, my listeners know I spent a few days with Gary Vaynerchuk. You know him. <laughs> Gary V. Yes, I know him. And um, he's big on Snapchat. And he has pretty good intel when it comes to social media. He's pretty intelligent. Has a really good <laughs> he knows uh, his stuff. social media intelligence, right? Um, so, hey, join me on Snapchat. It's Farnish Tarabi, one word on Snapchat. And um, I'll probably be posting some fun things. I've been having a lot of fun with Snapchat, learning the ropes. I feel like a 14 year old, but it's um, supposed to have some sort of payoff down the road. So I'm waiting for that. Anyway, Brittany Castro, pleasure to have you back. It's been a while. I have not had the opportunity to connect with you. Since probably November, December, I've been really wanting to get you on the show because I can't answer these questions by myself. I'm one person. You have an in the trenches perspective that is so valuable. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. I love being here and I love our tag team approach. I think I learned so much from you being on these shows. (laughs) So you just you took actually the entire month of December off. Yes. It was incredible. So it was one of my own financial goals and just life goals in general um, to take a month long sabbatical. I didn't check phone. I didn't check email. It was doing no. meditation retreat. Yeah. For a whole month, it was amazing. That's intense. I, um, what was something that you weren't expecting that you experienced? Oh, there's so many little gems Um you know, when there's no distractions via phone or email and you're really just with yourself and, you know, the moment you'd be surprised at like what things can come in, like just realizations, gratitude, you know, just a feeling of pure ecstasy and happiness. Um, so a lot of those gems came into my uh, life during that time. And also, you know, just in terms of like career and money and finance and business, I realized that, you know, so many of my stresses or worries, I'm sure we all know this, but they're not true, you know, and how much time I waste thinking about hypothetical scenarios (laughs) in life Mm -hmm. um, when I could just be really enjoying the moment that much more fully. Um, So I I just have seen that translate into my business within the last month of being back. And really, I think so much of 
the recent growth in my business is because of that. I'm just operating at a whole different level and so much more focused and less attached and, and just delivering in the moment, whatever it is. Um, and, and I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain. I feel like we all know this in theory, but to mm-hmm. feel it on an experiential level, it, it was something completely different for me. And it was, it was so life changing and the best month of my life, honestly. Did you meditate every day? Yes. Wow. So you do you yeah. meditate every day normally? Yes. Mm-hmm. So as part of my meditation, spiritual growth in general, I've been doing meditation for almost three years daily. Um, now I'm up to like 45 minutes an hour every morning. Wow. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I didn't start there, though. I think that really, I always like to say that. <laughs> I would fall asleep if you gave me 45 minutes It freaks minutes people to out, you know? Trust me, if you would have told me this, you know, a few <laughs> years ago, I'd have been like, what? How do you do it? But it's it's just like anything in life. I think it's a skill and, you do, you know, the more you commit to it, the more you develop and the more you grow. Um, but I just think it's so incredibly important, especially now that we live in such a fast paced world Mm -hmm. to be able to turn it off and like check in to what I call the real world and get out of the matrix world for a little bit. Um, it brings so much clarity to my life. So I mean, I just can't imagine days without it now. And great news. You're now busier than ever. So proof you can take a month off, unplug and come back and be very busy at work, which is very inspirational. Thank you. That, I mean, it was, trust me, it was breaking so many of my concepts around what I thought was possible. Yeah. I can't take a month off out of my business. I can't take, you know, a month off and not check emails. That no one does that. Who does that? And then when I did it, I realized, Oh, <laughs> interesting. And it's December, possible. December's like probably the best month out of the year to do that because yeah. people go away. It's the holidays. People kind of detach themselves from any responsibilities, goals. They sort of feel like I've, you know, I, I've just, I just want to, you know, eat Christmas cookies and watch Elf and I'm not going to totally. think about money this month. I'll deal with so, that when the new year comes around. Totally. There was a lot of planning, strategic planning on my end um, to make things, you know, sure things were operating while I was gone. And um, yes, you're spot on. The month of December is usually <laughs> the, the, right. when people think about money the least. Um, well, it's February, so uh, I'm not even going to say that people have New Year's resolutions anymore, <laughs> but we do have some good financial questions from listeners and we want to help them as much as possible. So let's start with Karen. She says, hey, Farnoosh, I'm a new listener. All right. Good to know that like the show is actually attracting some new people. Um, I know we have some very loyal fans from day one and I love you guys. And this is awesome that I'm learning that there are some uh, new adopters. She says, I really appreciate everything I've learned in these short months. My husband and I are able to save most of our income because we're living in a home with cheap rent. We have debt because he purchased a car in 2013 and I have student loan debt. We have the money and savings to pay off one of these loans and they're about the same amount left, nine, $10,000, but not sure which one. Is it best to pay off loans in cash if you have it? And it's true that we need to pay off the one with the highest. It is it true that we need to pay the one with the highest interest rate first. His car loan has about two years left with payments about $412 a month. The student loan has seven years left with payments of about 180 a month. That's pretty elementary, but if you have time, I'd love to hear back. Thank you. So, I mean, do you just do the math here, Brittany, and go, you know, the, the student loan perhaps uh, has the, if it has the higher interest rate, I don't know, 
Um, it definitely is a higher payment and it's got seven years left. Maybe that's the one she kicks in the butt. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, usually when you're doing a debt reduction strategy, yes, if you focused on the debt with the highest interest rate first and paid that one off completely before you went on to making additional debt payments on any other ones, then that would save you the most, mathematically speaking, in interest in the long run. But sometimes you look at the numbers and it makes sense, well, let's just focus on the debt with um, the lower balance just to get that one knocked off, kind of like an immediate win, feeling some gratification there, and then focus on, you know, the longer term debt. So I think it matter, you know, we, we don't know the interest rates on, on the student loan or the car, but if you just wanted to do the straight interest rate strategy, then I would say, yes, focus on the one with the higher interest rate and put any additional money toward that one first. Right. And of course, a car being a depreciating asset, better to be just done with that loan is sooner the, the sooner, the better, I think, you know, given that it is a depreciating asset. And also, you know, as far as your credit score is concerned, I think that, um, you know, both car loans and student loans, they're quote unquote, these installment loans. And so, uh, they're not as heavily weighted as credit card debt, which is revolving debt. Um, so I was going to say maybe this, the car loan would have a bigger impact on your credit score, but I think that they're equal in their, um, in their impact because they're both falling under the category of installment loans. And as long as you're paying them on time and you're not late, then I think your scores and it, it won't be impacted all else equal. So yeah, maybe we just do the math. And also, honestly, if you feel like it would be great to have an extra $400 back in your pocket every month, just because that's going to be money you can use to reinvest or use wisely, or just be able to improve your life, then pay off the car loan. Even if it has a lower interest rate, you kind of have to just decide the math, but also like, what does your life need right now? I don't know. Exactly. And one more thing I would add is, you know, she said she had money in savings, but just make sure you still have right. a cushion <laughs> when, you know, like you're not taking all the cushion to pay off one of these debts. I don't think that's wise at all. I think it's really smart to keep six months of your expenses in cash. Um, and then if there's anything above and beyond that, then that's where you can look at one of these strategies. Smart. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, cool. Julia is next and she says, Hey, Farnoosh, I've just recently started to listen to your show. Wow, all these like new listeners. I love it. She says, you've exposed me to a different way of approaching financial education. So thank you. Well, thank you, Julia. I appreciate you. Her question is regarding Roth IRAs. She says, my son is 13. He earns about $2,500 each year through various small jobs and through some market projects. I have in the past split his savings between a Roth and general stock market investments. Wow, mom, going aggressive. I like that. She says, just recently, I learned that you can take out principal on a Roth if it's ever needed. Should he be contributing to his Roth first until he hits the max? And then if any funds left over, put in general investment. I'm trying to help him prepare for college, and I'm not sure if it matters where the money is invested. Thanks for any insight. Isn't it true, Brittany, that the principal can be taken out of a Roth, and but only under certain circumstances, and one is to pay for education? Yes, Um that is the case. You can take out the principal. So it's your contribution into a Roth IRA. Remember, you've already paid taxes on that. Right. So technically speaking, at any point, you can take back that contribution. 
Um, but if you took any gains, that's when you're going to get hit with a penalty for taking it out premature, the 59 and a half age. Right. Um, and then there's that exception that says you can actually take out a one time, you know, educational cost, um, withdrawal or even a home down payment withdrawal. And that could, you know, potentially be some of the gains, but you just really have to be clear. Like, you know, this is kind of like a strategy I typically don't recommend because there's a lot of nitty gritty involved. And I quite frankly think if we're going to put a Roth IRA into place in your financial life, treat it like a real retirement account, not something that, well, if, when could, you know, I could take it out for a student, um, you know, college costs or a home. I just think if you're going to have those goals, save somewhere else for them so that truly everything you put into a Roth IRA can be earmarked for retirement and retirement only, so even the, though those exceptions yeah. um, are there. And so to answer the other part of her question, which is I, 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 I'm, I'm reading between the lines, it sounds like she's c- concerned or trying to prepare better for his college. Do you think mm-hmm. it's too late to open up a 529 at age 13? I mean, I think it sounds like she wants to use his earnings to the best of their ability to pay for college. Should you just put them in a money market account or a CD given that he's got five more years? I would say, yeah, if it really is going to be for college, then a 529 can still make sense. And mm-hmm. the nice part is a lot of these 529s will have um, their investment options um, geared toward the age in which your child is going to go to college. So, for example, even though it's, you know, close five years, you can put in into a portfolio that says, you know, college starts in 2021. So it's going to be a lot more conservative which is what you'd want um, if you're going to be needing that money in the short term versus something that, you know, is for a child who's just born, right? That's a longer time horizon and therefore it could be more aggressive. So then those 529 plans really have become so simplified that you can just pick the funds, you know, to match the date in which you need the money and they'll manage it accordingly. So a lot more conservative in the short term, but it will give you some tax advantages like the Roth IRA. And this money is all for education and higher, you know, higher education costs. So if you know that the money is going to go for college, then, you know, put it in the 529 plan. Great. Good advice. Julie, I hope that was helpful. And way to go, your son earning $2,500 a year through work. I think that's definitely more than I was earning when I was 13. (laughs) That's so great. Bobby says, Farnoosh, I love the show. I'm a public school teacher, second grade, who currently maxes out my 403B. I expect my tax bracket to rise in the future due to raises, pensions, Social Security. Am I allowed to roll over my 403B into a Roth so that my investments can grow tax-free? I've read some articles which say that one can roll over their 403B plan if they leave their current job. Well, I don't plan on leaving mine. And other articles say people can roll over at any time. So he's a little confused. What's the right answer? By the way, he's 25 and he says, I religiously listen to your podcast during my lunch breaks at school. How cute is that? Aww. And then when the students come into the room to retrieve an object during recess at lunch and hear you, they ask, what is Miss Farnoosh talking about today? Oh, my God. That's can you please, Bobby, send me a picture. I will totally post that on social media. I mean, well, maybe I can't. I'm not allowed because they're kids, but <laughs> I would really love to see you and your class. I think that's so cute. And I won't share it because I'm pretty sure I'll get in trouble. Um, but yes, it's very cute. He says, it's really cute. I go, yes, 
Thank you for all the great information. Thanks, Bobby. That made my night because we're recording this at night um, and my day and my week. Frankly, that was a really cute story. So back to his question. He's confused. Can you roll over a 403B plan into a Roth IRA? And if so, can it only work if you leave the job? I, I think my guess is you have to no longer be with that company or that employer. Yes, that's correct. Um, my understanding on any um, 403B, 401K, anything connected to an employer is that you have to be um, no longer working with the company in order to roll it out um, into an IRA and or Roth IRA. So let's say, you know, that is the situation. He no longer works there. In order to roll a 403B money into a Roth IRA, you know, people call it like... Um, a Roth conversion. Right. So basically what it is, is you roll the 403B money first into a traditional IRA and then you convert that traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. And you would do that to pay the taxes in the year of the conversion. So let's just say it's $5,000 you converted. That $5,000 gets added to your income for the year. You pay taxes on it. But now moving forward, it's classified as Roth IRA money, which a Roth IRA gross tax deferred. And when you take it out after age 59 and a half, it's all tax free. Right. So you basically pay the taxes now to have it come to you tax free in the future. Bobby, I hope that made sense. I, it, did, it did to me. And I, I'm sorry there's a lot of confusing um, information out there. I guess... Always come back to the podcast, and especially when Brittany's around, because we'll clarify (laughs) things for you. Time now to shed some light and say thank you to one of our sponsors on the show today, Wix.com. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 75 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer made customizable templates to choose from the drag and drop editor and even video backgrounds. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. The site empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. Melissa says, hey, Farnoosh, brand new listener. I love it. It's like all these new listeners. I, I guess all that you know, preaching of saying, please send me your questions, send me your questions. It's working. All right. So she says, enjoying your show, learning a lot. My husband and I We just talked about Roth IRAs. She has another Roth IRA question. She says, my husband and I do not qualify to contribute to a Roth due to the income limitations. Can you tell us about contributing to a backdoor Roth IRA and how much we should be contributing per year? We keep hearing about it, but no idea where to start. And I think we should, I say that, I should say that we already max out our 401k savings plans with our companies by each contributing 10 to 15% of our pay each cycle. That's pretty, that's really good. Looking for our next way to invest. So Brittany, have you ever done a backdoor Roth IRA for a client? Yeah, actually I have. So it's a really good question. And um, basically if you're already doing a 401k at your 
you know, employer, um, the way to do a backdoor Roth IRA is you put the money into a non-deductible IRA. So what that means is like, you know, you just work with a financial professional. Um, the most you could put in an IRA this year is 5500 So you can't deduct that, but it's considered a non-deductible IRA. And the whole purpose is to like immediately convert it. So you put it in there and then you convert it to a Roth IRA. And that $5,500 contribution, again, will get added to your ordinary income for the year and you pay taxes on it. But moving forward, it will be all um, tax-free to you in the future because that's how a Roth IRA works. So it is like a little bit more work. Um, and there is some like things to look out for. Like if you have other IRA money, you really want to make sure you're doing this right because, you know, I don't know if you want to convert everything in the IRA to a Roth IRA. So it sounds like she doesn't have any other IRA money, in which case the strategy can be a little bit more simple than normal. But, um, Really working with a professional is going to be key because there's a lot of little caveats you want to look out for. And once you do the backdoor Roth IRA Mm -hmm. movement, can you, and and assuming you do this because you have maxed, you don't, um, you make more than uh, you then allowed to contribute to a Roth IRA in the traditional sense. Can you contribute to this ongoing, even though now, I mean, so now you have this new Roth IRA, you got in through the backdoor, but your income is still too high. Can you contrib- can you continue to contribute to it? No, basically if you contribute if you continue to be um in the high income tax bracket and can't you know contribute normally to a Roth IRA, you would just continue this strategy year after year. Of, oh. You know, the That's... backdoor. I know, it's so weird, right? I mean, it's just like <laughs> a loophole. You know, it's like everything That's how bad happen. we hate to pay taxes. <laughs> You know, people just find the loopholes to to do what they want to do. So, um, yeah, it it can like I said, it can it can happen. I've done it before with clients, but it is a little bit more, you know, time intensive. And sometimes I don't know, just depending on what you're really, you know, what the ultimate goal is. You know, we we either have to do it year after year, or I don't know, find another way to build tax free money in the future. Hmm. Good. Yeah. So it's a bit of work more, and mm-hmm. definitely yeah, work with, I think a professional, it'll be, it'll be to your advantage at least the first year. And last question we have here from Raham and this person asks, Hey Farnoosh, I'm trying to work on my resume and cover letter feels like the most daunting task. I've pared down and made edits until I'm blue in the face, but I, I still feel like I'm missing something. Do you think resume consulting is worth spending money on? And if so, can you suggest any reputable services? I feel like this is something I should be able to do on my own, but would like to feel confident as I apply for jobs and be sure that I'm making the most impact and getting my foot in the door. I'm great at interviews, but I'm afraid I'm being passed up because my resume, my resume does not reflect my actual talents and strengths. Thank you. So Raham, I just want to throw a few things out there. I'm going to make some assumptions. So just bear with me. I mean, I think, yes, resume is important. Cover letter is important. Although, uh, you know, these days with so much of the applying is done online, you, a lot of times the cover quote unquote cover letter is just like the email that you send can be the cover letter. So, uh, I wouldn't attach your cover letter necessarily unless they specifically ask for it. But you know, your, I would say that your hireability and your marketability as a potential future hire is not just resting on the 
on, on your resume and your cover letter. That's important. But also think about, you know, the totality of your quote unquote personal brand and how you are presenting yourself on LinkedIn and even on Facebook. Believe it or not, some employers look on Facebook just to kind of get a feel for who you are. Um, if you've got a personal website, make sure that it looks sharp. If you're on Twitter, make sure that you're asking thoughtful questions, you're tweeting thoughtful things that are related to the industry. So there are a lot of more parts than just the resume. And of course, of course, the best thing you can always have is a referral. So your cover letter could just be a few lines, but if there is someone in that letter that you mention who was recommending you or you is, you know, you can name drop and that's going to get you in and at least put your resume to the top of the pile. That's going to be more valuable to you than like the perfect word on your resume. Um, but you know, not to discount the importance of making sure that your resume reflects your abilities. And I don't know about spending money on a consultant. I think that you want to maybe first talk to the people that you trust in your industry. If you have colleagues in your industry, if you have a mentor or mentors, I think those are the people that you can go to for free. They'll probably give you better advice because they know you better than someone who's just, you know, a random consultant. I don't know, Brittany, what do you think? I'm hesitant to say just straight go work with a consultant. I think there's some other things to consider before doing that. I agree. And I, I'm not sure I'm the best person to ask for this, given the fact that I've never had a real job in my <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, my approach to uh, resumes and getting, you know, contracts and deals mm-hmm. is a little bit different. But uh, like anything, get some referrals. You know, I'm sure you have people you can ask, you know, how, how they went about it. Um, before you just work with anybody and pay for some services. And I almost think like, I don't know. Yeah. The contacts are more important and maybe even hiring some sort of coach who can help you with the interviews or negotiation mm-hmm. when you actually get, you know, the offers. Um, but again, I'm, I'm not sure I'm the best person to ask. Right. And I'm also you know, many years from the traditional workforce. But uh, if you ever listen to some episodes with my brother, Raham, check out my um, episode with Todd, my brother. And I have another episode coming up later this month. We have an interview with a bunch of millennials who it's millennial week starting on the 15th. And we're going to be talking to a lot of young people who've gotten great jobs and they're going to talk about how they got their jobs. And I think the common denominator if I can generalize here, is that yes, their resumes were in good shape and they probably had some well-written cover letters, but they also made a made an effort to really stand out, find those connections. Some of them um, just really found the one place they really, really, really wanted to work and studied that one workplace, got to know the people who worked there, went on LinkedIn and found the you know, five degrees of separation, work that angle. Because at the end of the day, especially in this climate, in this work environment, it's really all about relationships. It comes down to people liking you before hiring you. And so resumes are important, but it's really about making those connections too. So investing less time on the resume and more time on networking and strategic contacting and things like that, I think is going to be not just helpful for you to get this one job, but just it, those are good life skills. Those are good business skills. Um, I think resumes are eventually going to 
become a waste of time, depending on your industry, because most people will just do a Google search, right? And they'll look at your LinkedIn, they'll look at your online videos, they'll look at your um, your blog, and that's going to give them much more of a 360 about you than a piece of paper. So good luck and keep us posted and, and maybe write again and say, let me know how, like what specific industry you're looking in, what companies you're looking at, because maybe we can give you some more specific advice. And that's a wrap, Brittany. Thank you. Thank you. I could not have done this without you. You know, I decided a few months ago that I wanted to start tag teaming with some of my favorite financial pros. And you're definitely at the top of the list. So I I feel very honored. Yeah, of course. I will say this, though, Brittany, I'm considering I'm going to I'm going to go on the record and say this. I'm considering maybe not working with my financial advisor anymore. And if you're listening, Stacy, I love you. You know this. It's no surprise. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like torn right now because there's so many other more cost efficient ways to get your money managed that it's worth at least exploring. And that's kind of where I am right now. I just feel that I'm paying too much in money management fees for the fact that I'm really more of a long term, boring, you know, index fund investor. I don't need someone going in there and like, making all these, you know, micro moves for me. And I have a lot of the other stuff figured out. My estate plan's done. My will's done. My life insurance is figured out. So I'm good, I think. But maybe I'm being naive. What do you think? Am I being crazy? I don't know. The way I I work is flat fee, fee only. So um, I kind of in in alignment and I manage money through a platform called Betterment, which is really low Mm. cost and effective for clients. That's why I like you. (laughs) You you understand the times. I suggested that to my financial advisor. I was like, could we do something where, you know, I pay you flat fee and then you outsource the, Mm -hmm. the, the portfolio management to like a robo advisor. Cause I really, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm good. Tim and I are Mm -hmm. good. We don't need like a very sophisticated 300 different investments. And they were like, well, we're not really doing that right now, but we'll, you know, we'll consider it. And I feel like they should consider it more. Like, forget mm-hmm. me. But what about all these other younger investors that are that are not um, coming to the table with a million dollars under, you know, in in assets, and and um, frankly, are also aware of the fact that indexing is a little more. It's just kind of the way to go. Uh-huh. It just makes sense. Just I mean, sense. it's not for everybody, but for most um, people in their like 30s and 40s who are accumulating wealth and the people I work with, it makes perfect sense. And um, that's the way I roll in my business. And I think that's why we're growing so rapidly yeah. because my model is definitely more innovative than most financial firms out there. But that's why I built it the way I did and why I continue to enhance it the way I do because it just fits in alignment with the way my clients live and operate and and just leverage technology to do the things that we don't need to spend our time and energy on anymore. And, um, you know, my conversations, even with clients who have accounts with me, it's not necessarily about what the accounts are doing. You know, we check in on them, make sure they're moving in alignment with their goals. But it's really more about their day-to-day financial decisions, like what we're doing on your podcast, you know, helping them with, you know, those decisions and consulting with them and knowing that, you know, they have me as a partner for all the financial questions that come in and kind of operate as a manager for their financial lives. So I get it. I, I think it's it's smart to look and 
doesn't mean that the people, you know, you might be working with aren't great. There's great people out there. Um, but it's just a matter of times are changing. Mm -hmm. We can't deny technology. And sometimes there's new opportunities for us. Yeah, I think it's it's, management world. You said it. It's more that it's an opportunity for advisors to be flexible and get creative and I dare say, get a little entrepreneurial with how they're mm-hmm. servicing their clients. So thank you, Brittany. That's why you're going you're gonna to be, a, you are a leader and you're going to continue to be a leader in this marketplace. And we're so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much. What are you doing this weekend? I'm dancing. I'm in a, a big, I'm in a big show. Um, I didn't mean to laugh. <laughs> don't laugh. Farnoosh, I dance all the time. I'm very, you should see my calendar. It's no joke. Um, but no, I, I'm actually dancing in a few um, big uh, performances at the end of this month and, and choreographing one routine. So I'm literally in wow. dance rehearsal every other day. Get it's, out it's of here. A, <clears throat> what it's kind of, so fun. What kind of dance? Well, one is a contemporary co-ed piece, which is great. Um, the guys are so fun. And the other one I'm choreographing is actually a dream dance of mine. I've been wanting to do this for quite some time. It just now is the time. So it is a... Tahitian, Samba, African style dance, like it's a mix, m- mashup um, with live drummers. So there's four wow. women, four men, and it's very intense, very passionate kind of dance, but um, it's great. It's coming along nicely. We have a lot of work to do, but it's, it's looking good. I'll, I'll have to send a video to you. Go on Snapchat. Oh, Snapchat. Okay. There you go. Perfect. My Snapchat is perfect you on for Snapchat. this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect medium. All right. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. And, and so will everybody on this podcast who's listening and, you know, only several, several thousands of people. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, Brittany, love you. Thank you so much. And dance like no one's watching. <laughs> I will. Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.